podcast. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome to Pre-Pig. I would like to invite more people to maybe sit on the cushions, join us, don't be shy, just move over, share them a little bit, maybe find your new partner. Um, they're great opportunities to tune in now. Uh, obviously, this talk is going to be in English, ha according to the title as well. And um, looking forward to have the next 45 minutes with you guys and also the amazing speakers we have here, our panelists for the next talk. My name is Kim, Kim Gerlach. I'm host and uh, moderator for now. And um, we're gonna have a great conversation not only with these guys, but also with you later in the Q&A or whenever you have a question about the global impact of the denim industry. So today we're talking about global impact reinventing denim. Um, before I'm going to go over to introduce all of these people, um, why is it so that we're talking about denim together with our partner ISCO and our invitees? Well, denim is one of the industries that I just associate with dirty chemicals, a lot of environmental impact, um, an industry that's like very heavy in its consumption and it's lately or in the past years, but they will probably um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the perception, at least from the sustainability perspective, has been that denim is just a dirty industry. But there are many, many actors, organizations, pioneers who are doing different things. Um, yeah, so that's how we're coming together. But I, will, I would love to introduce you, Rosie, just over there. <laughs> um, Rosie Cortazzi has been working for ISCO, but had past experience um, in various different actors. She started um, with her studies after, after her studies in London at House of Fraser, Arcadia Group, and then others such as Diesel, Nike, Levi. I could mention many, many more and fill the hour with it. Um, but lately she's been then moving on to Esprit and has established the denim department for um, male and female clothing. Is that correct? And then afterwards went to a startup in the Netherlands, exactly, um, also with a focus on denim. So now, luckily, she has found her way to ISCO as global, global marketing director. And ISCO is not only a partnering, partnering com um, company, but also an organization that's world leading in denim production. They by now produce 300 million meters of denim per year. Um, but they're not only producers of that, they claim to be scientists, trend research, whoever um, supporting a movement within denim. And next up we have Lina, Lina Mayorga. She graduated from Parsons in New York and has established her own brand, has been blogging for 10 years already and lately she's been working with the United Nations and did her fourth collection um, on the global Gold, so the the 17, yeah, she did 20 looks, interesting, yeah, 20, 20 looks for the Sustainable Development Goals collection and has shifted her brand definitely to be a sustainable one and also uses denim in her collections. And then up we have Sam, hi, <laughs> over there, wearing all denim today. Sam Trotman, he's a uh, an inspiring person because he has a job I'm really curious about. He's a trend researcher, works with trends, travels the globe, um, together with an organization called Denim Dudes. So he's a, a denim trend consultant. 
and basically analyzes and forecasts what's happening in a specific industry, um, what's happening with youth culture and so forth. He's been actively writing for Vogue, he's collaborating with ISCO, has been at Copenhagen Fashion Summit, one of the leading industry events, and looking forward to hear more of like the future scenarios of this industry and what's been evolving. Um, I would like to start with a quote by Sam, which um, talks about his denim experience. So the first memory he has, and he said, my mother used to take me to car boot sales every weekend. It's where I learned the knack of digging through piles of clothes and develop my eye for blicking, picking blue gold. So it started pretty early for Sam, and I'm wondering, looking at Lena now, <laughs> What's your maybe first memory of jeans and denim? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Um, well, it was around 12 when I was 12 years old. I remember getting this like a little bit oversized denim jacket that I still have and I still wear. So I guess I haven't grown much since I was 12. <laughs> But this, that was my first experience, like seeing this jacket that I have been wearing for so long that it has evolved with me and like my style that I can wear with everything. Like seeing that jacket and having the opportunity to wear it till now because of the durability of this denim, especially for that brand. I'm, I mean, the fact that I have been wearing it for so long tells me that the design and the quality was pretty great from their side. So that was my first experience seeing that oversized jacket, denim jacket. Yeah. It definitely talks um, for the quality of the material, yes, just being totally. very durable as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you want to maybe also jump into how you're using it in your collections? Oh, or? yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a sustainable and vegan fashion designer, and I really like upcycling. And I have been using different textiles, giving them like a new perspective, like using textiles in a way that you don't really like are used to seeing garments with that textile. So for instance, I designed a gown, like this avant-garde red carpet gown with upcycled denim. I also like natural dyes, so I have worked with indigo. And I have dyed hemp, trying to emulate the, the cotton original denim style, that the vintage style that we all like. Uh, and basically upcycling denim with this organization in New York that collects fabric. It's a non-profit. So I've been, I have been helping them and volunteering for them and taking denim for my own designs. Great, great way to volunteer and get the yeah. denim back in return. Um, Rosie, maybe you can grab the microphone, perfect. Sure. What's, do you have a denim memory of some sort of your early, is there anything or? My, well, my <laughs> earliest denim yeah. memory was being absolutely desperate to have a pair of 501s. But my parents, they just honestly couldn't afford it. And then finally, my mum found this discount warehouse. Uh, and uh, it was in this horrible part of London where they had sort of piles of old 501s. And uh, I got my first pair. 
and uh, I've still got them today. Can't get into them, but I still look at them uh, every now and then. <laughs> nice. And um, talking about upcycling a little bit, what Lena mentioned, how, how has Devonham been perceived by all the labels and houses you've been working at? Has it always been a material of choice, a material everyone has favored to use, were the developments, trends? Well, I think, you know, I mean, I, I kind of started on my uh, denim journey in uh, uh, the very early part of my career. And uh, it's always been a favorite fabric. But as you were talking about earlier, I feel really guilty about some of the bad things that we did in the early part of my career with denim. Um, so we were using bleach, water, potassium, bananganate, all, all the bad stuff. I'm really guilty and sad that I didn't know better at that early part of my career. And then as I evolved through my career, I started to understand more uh, about responsible uh, fibers and fabrics uh, and irresponsible washing techniques such as laser and ozone, um, but still not always doing everything right. Uh, and it's only today where I feel like I can really understand uh, what it is to make a, a truly responsible denim. Um, so really my relationship has changed over the years and uh, I'm learning every day and uh, I, I, it's a fabric that you can, you can always learn something new about. And also I think like, you know, every little thing that you can do with denim um, that can make a difference, uh, do it. I saw Sam getting ready to say something. I or? just presume that you'd probably be asking yeah. me a question next. So I was just arming myself. All right. Okay, I'm going to look at my cheat sheet. And um, not yet. You, okay. you can take a break. <laughs> I'd like to stay with Rosie for a bit. Um, and ask, I've, I'm just going to say a little bit more about Isco as well. It's a full power denim force for the from the ground up. It's the creative services, the mentors, the trend researchers, the fabric engineers, the laundry experts, the designers, the network of excellence. It sounds pretty fantastic what you guys are doing and um, quite complex as well. I mean, denim as an industry, what kind of topics are you tackling with all these amazing people in the house? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I have to say that ISCO itself has been thinking responsibly for 20 years. So it's not something new for us. We're really uh, at the forefront and, and we're working on many, many different topics. Uh, one of the topics really is on reduction. So how uh, can we use less raw materials? Uh, and I think if you go upstairs at the entrance hall, you'll see something called our R2 uh, program where we're working on um, how um, we can recycle our own uh, raw material. Um, we we uh, use something called reuse cotton, so we combine reuse cotton with recycled polyester uh, to make this new fabric R2. And so every bit of reuse cotton uh, that is in the garment means less raw materials in the first place, so less cotton uh, that's grown in the first place. It's one of the things that we're doing. I, I mean, I could talk for hours on this and, and drive you crazy. Uh, another thing we're doing is for every fabric that we've got in the collection, we provide uh, an EPD, an Environmental Product Declaration. Um, that means that we provide the life cycle assessment um, of um, or the carbon footprint of um, every single fabric. So anybody that buys our fabric can make 
a responsible choice. And this isn't uh, just about us, um, because in terms of making a more responsible clothing industry, no one's going to do it alone. Um, and so this is open source material that any other uh, mill can use um, and, and, and can adopt. So it's really about sharing with the industry. Another thing we do is we go into brands, we train them about sustainability. Um, so, so we're teaching people and helping people. We come to events like this uh, and really help people. And so there's a number of people in this room uh, as well. So if you want to know more details, who can support you at any stage of your sustainable journey. And ISCO has been around for almost 30 years soon, coming. Um, now, Sam, I think it's your time. <laughs> Um, has sustainability always been around denim or when would you historically say has it been a topic and a trend? Um, I think, yeah, we've been tracking it in denim for, I think, the past sort of five to sort of six years, I'd say, like mainly with a lot of brands engaging with it. I mean, there's been early adopters like Nudie Jeans who have been kind of like pioneers from like the early days, same with like Mud Jeans and a lot of the European kind of brands. But I think since about 2017 is when it's really sort of started to take hold in sort of like the mass market, I'd say. I, I was talking to you earlier about the Vogue article that said that in the 2017 was the year that uh, sustainability really sort of took hold. So, um, I mean, when we're sort of tracking it at the moment, we're being asked more and more to kind of like uh, create a dialogue around it and what are the newness that's happening because obviously it's a constant evolution. So we have to keep on talking about the new technologies that are happening. And because it's such a big complex topic as well, I think it's important to always make the conversation quite engaging as well because it can get quite heavy, a lot of it. So to try and keep the designers and sort of consumers engaged, you've got to really be able to break it down into sort of like simple terms so that people can really kind of understand it and keep on board with it because it is something that you need to keep working with over the years. It's a constant process, I'm sure. Isco, you see all the developments they're doing each season. It's not about having like an end goal. It's like constantly evolving. And um, what kind of uh, big trends do you see in the denim industry with sustainability? Like, uh, yeah. yeah. So every season, um, as Denim Dudes, we work with Kingpins, which is a denim fabric fair, uh, which shows in New York, uh, it's in Amsterdam, and over in Hong Kong. And so each season we deliver trends. Uh, we have four different trends. I guess one of the ones that's relevant for this and talking about sustainability is our eco-wanderer story. Um, it's a kind of like earth-friendly story. It's a little bit like modern hippie. Um, so it's sort of like bringing some of the ideas back from like the 1970s and how there was a whole kind of like movements around that, but doing it in a more kind of contemporary context. So a lot of people doing stuff around natural dyes, um, there's stuff like using natural fibers and just elevating the kind of story around sustainability. Because before, yeah, sustainability, you assume it to be kind of like these bland products, but nowadays, like a lot of brands are kind of getting on board and making it exciting and sexy. So that's part of our job to try and really sort of like tell that part of the conversation as well. Um, a couple of like good brands, um, to look out for like Story MFG. I'm not sure if any of you guys have heard of them. They're based out of London, but they really bring back the idea of like traditional craft and like heirloom kind of like textiles, um, but again, doing it in a more kind of contemporary way. Um, another part of that conversation as well is talking about the whole thing of um, biotechnology. So actually syncing nature and technology together. So examples would be like H&M, uh, they recently did a Pinatex collection, which is uh, leather like fabrics, but then created from recycled pineapple. 
Um, so that's quite exciting. And then even designers like Louis Vuitton, uh, Virgil Abloh, he did a whole collection that was inspired by nature. So in the runway collection, he had all these kind of like floral kind of appliques and actual real flowers that were in the catwalk collection. And the same for Jacquemus as well. They did this amazing collection where they took people out of Paris and showed the collection down in the south of France in a lavender field. So it's about bringing people back to nature and how nature's now inspiring fashion. I think the Jack was one, at least on my social media, went really viral. I saw the lavender fields everywhere popping up on my Instagram. Yeah. And I think just people in general, they're bringing like plants into their home. They want to yeah. kind of feel this like nature around them now. Yeah. And obviously that's going to impact um, what people kind of wearing as well, I think. Yeah, nice. It's nice to see because um, I personally come from the sustainability background more than the fashion industry background. And I'm very critical with like high end luxurious labels, what they are really doing. Because I know I know what great things Nudie is doing and Mutt Jeans and all of these being here, but then seeing involvement with the big ones as well. Yeah. It's great. Um, I'd like to go back to Lena maybe a little bit and ask you about your perception as a designer of the material as well, or maybe your followers have an opinion on denim. I don't know. My opinion about denim? Yeah. Uh, well, I think everyone is like really impressed about the power that denim has, how <laughs> this material became like our default, like jeans became our default piece and everyone needs the, to have a pair of jeans in their wardrobes. So I'm really impressed by that, but I'm also like really concerned like about the massive production of jeans as well. Uh, just like, I think it's insane that like four to six billions of jeans are like being produced, but not all of them are being sold, you know? So what happened to that water, that energy, and that those raw materials that are not being worn at least, so they are just wasted. And so I was pre pretty curious about that and I asked my followers. I also have a blog about a fashion and beauty blog. So I was asking them, eh, what do you prefer? Do you prefer a style or durability for denim? Do you prefer a light wash or a dark indigo pair of jeans? So you did like an online or yeah, Instagram Yeah, like a survey. survey. Nice. Like a survey on Instagram. You can do that, like polls and see what people think about some topics. So I was like, let me ask them to see what was their like opinion about it. So I was like, do you prefer a style or low price? Do you prefer uh, durability or low price? Just different options. And also how much are you willing to pay for a pair of jeans or a really good denim piece? And I was pretty shocked with the results. I'm so curious now and I'm wondering, like, how does it match with your experience, guys? I was pretty shocked because people care about the style, right? More than the low price. But when you're asking them how much are you willing to pay, they're like $50 or less. So I was like, how, how come you care more about the style but, than low price, but you're only going to pay less than $50, right? So that tells me a lot about the lack of in, like educating the consumer, that we're not educating the consumer and that's making them believe that we can create this super cheap, super affordable denim and they are gonna last forever, right? Because if they care about durability, but they are not willing to you know, invest in a good piece, so that's like really shocking to me. 
Like as a designer, I'm like, okay, what should I do, right? Like I need to inform my, my people that I really have to do many things to create a garment that they're gonna wear. So I think that's one of the problems, the lack of information and us, like uh, me as a designer, I can inform the consumer by telling them how I make my own jeans. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really interesting point for us when we're doing sort of our research, when we're speaking to some of the brands, when we're doing our consultancy, we often read around a lot of like the quotes and things of what new kind of like generations and how they feel about sustainability. And a lot of people say like millennials and Gen Z are really kind of sustainably driven. But then you do see brands like Boohoo and other mass manufacturing brands who are the ones that are really sort of like selling the best. And there's brands that are selling jeans for like $15. And when you sort of think about that price, there's obviously a cost that's sort of being put down the supply chain and whether it's sort of like ethics or the, how the genes are actually made. So it's quite interesting that you're sort of getting this feedback. And yeah, whenever we do like our factory visit, people don't really kind of know what goes into genes. Like when we do like stories and we show people like the whole process of what happens with like the amount of water, the chemicals and things like that. It's like, yeah, it kind of goes over their head. So there is a lot of kind of education that's needed around that. I'd say a good brand to look out for is uh, Noah. They're from New York, they're a, uh, it's actually a streetwear brand. The guy who's the designer used to work for Supreme, but they've started doing these articles where they break down things like the cost of an item and they justify why it costs so much. Um, so they'll talk about the factory costs, like how much it costs to pay workers um, and all these kind of things. And it does it in really kind of like simple kind of imagery. So it makes it kind of more clear and concise. Um, for yeah, consumers to do it. And it's kind of about this kind of radic radical transparency as well, because yeah. they say we're not the most sustainable company in the world, but this is what sort of happens and this is what we're doing to do our best. I think transparency is so important as well. So the brand was called Noah, and then Noah, yeah. where can we follow the factory stories? Is that on Denim Dudes? Or? Uh, yeah, on Denim Dudes, so whenever we go yeah. and travel somewhere, then you can sort yeah. of see it on there, yeah. Nice. I think we have some of them saved in our story highlights, so you nice. can probably go and check them there. I have learned a lot from, from Denim Dudes. Like, oh, that's, that's like a really good source for me as a designer or like social media person that want to learn more about Denim. I think it's a great source. <laughs> But yeah, when what we are doing it though, we have to really here. kind of like, we break it down and make the stories like simple and sort of make it digestible for people because sometimes yeah. it can be so overwhelming because the yeah. amount of different processes that go into like making a pair of jeans, you've got to sort of do it in small sections. I saw Isco takes it as your responsibility to educate the users and buyers of denim because you are going to the labels and you're trying to like help them, support them with their sustainability journey. So um, you also have classes as well. And I wonder, has it always been your responsibility to educate? Yeah, yeah I think, you know, as leaders in the industry, we, we, we definitely see it as our responsibility to get educated. And actually, after this session, we have another session uh, where we're actually launching our iSchool, uh, which is a competition uh, that we do for young designers in their last uh, years of college or uh, up to 30 years old in their, their first uh, jobs. And we, we we're actually going to uh, talk about that program. And, and one of the, the, the things that, that is at the heart of that program is educating uh, young people uh, about responsible uh, fabrics and responsible design. And uh, we really see that, that uh, ISCO really should be supporting the industry. 
uh, and we do it at every level, whether it's attending events, whether it's uh, being at events like Copenhagen Fashion Summit or next week we're at Impact. Uh, so we continue to be visible to support the industry um, because uh, no one, as I said, is going to do this alone. We, we have to work together uh, to create a more responsible clothing industry. And um, I'm going to pick on, up on that, uh, also talking about history a little bit. 2016, Sam has been on stage of Copenhagen Fashion Summit. And there was a researcher who was not really into the fashionable things of the industry. Um, his name is Francois Guibreau. And he, back then, 2016, already said, it's impossible to continue like this now in a very harsh, angry and urging way. Um, it was interesting to w watch the video in my research as well because um, it was the first person Sam interviewed and was kind of like bowled into the room already. Um, he got applause, which barely happens at Copenhagen Fashion Summit. So uh, seeing that and you as a moderator trying to uh, handle it, but pointing at you now, has anything changed since 2016 and that moment? in the industry. Yeah, I definitely say so. If anyone's not familiar with Francois Jabord, he's one of the biggest kind of legends in the denim industry. Um, he's done incredible things, but I guess one of the things that he even kind of admits himself is that he's one of the ones that was partly responsible for introducing stonewashing um, back in sort of like the late 60s and early 70s. So that's one of the reasons why he's sort of like trying to encourage like this critical change that's happening in the industry. Um, and he's doing a lot with, I think he's partnered with this guy. He's done collections with them. Um, and he's also doing a lot of other kind of initiatives that are happening. Um, but I guess what sort of changed since then um, is that last year, the Copenhagen Fashion Summit with the Global Fashion Agenda, they introduced with um, Ellen MacArthur Foundation the Jeans Re Re Redesign Initiative. Um, and so what that does is it gives guidelines to denim brands and other companies on how to actually manage um, sustainability, whether it's through recycling, like material health, um, durability. Um, and it really kind of sets like a standard of where company should be heading because Copenhagen Fashion Summit I don't know if any of you guys have been like it's an amazing event to go to but I think what they've been conscious about is actually turning their words into change because it's good going there and learning all these things but sometimes people go away and they go back to their jobs and then nothing ends up happening so having initiatives like this in place is actually setting uh, kind of motions in the wheel well, the wheels and motions for how change can happen um, so I think they've got like it started off with like 10 or 15 like major companies um, they had like H&M CNA but now I think they've got over like 40 um, and it's, it goes from like small retailers like Boyish Jeans, uh, Tellium Repairs, um, so they're all sort of signed up to it and so hopefully that launches in autumn winter 20, so next winter it will be, yeah, um, and then so yeah, we should hopefully encourage change through that, I'd say. So if we're looking at it now in January 2020, we have consumers who don't really want to pay anything but want to look really stylish. Then we have industry insiders saying, yeah, we're moving towards a good future. And then ISCO doing its amazing thing through various perspectives. But um, talking about reinventing denim, what, what do we really need to make it sustainable now? Like there's so many issues and so many different angles, but what's needed now to reinvent the whole industry? And that's a question to all of you, whoever wants to jump in. I, I have to say that sustainable fabrics have to be... A, every brand has to be able to access it from the mass market to the super premium. Uh, because if it's just elitist, like today, like we all love 100% um, organic cotton, but only 1% of the world's cotton is 100% 
organic. So it's nothing, and it's not going to make the big changes uh, that that need to happen today. It really needs to be available to the masses, and it's the brands and retailers that are, I think, more responsible than the actual consumer. I mean, obviously, young people, Gen Y and Z, are willing to walk away from brands that don't demonstrate that they're good corporate citizens. But if you're a young mum with three kids uh, with very little in your pocket and you have to buy uh, from the supermarket your jeans or clothes, they should also be able to have access uh, to a responsibly made uh, garments. Thank you. Any other thoughts on what we need for... Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a couple of things that I wanted to touch on, I guess, for the need for kind of change. Some of the big things for brands to look out for, things sort of like water conservation. Um, there's different things sort of happening with brands at the moment. Um, brands like, uh, who is it, Wrangler, they're doing uh, Indigood, which is a new technology where it uses foam dye technology and it reduces water by up to like You need 100%. to explain that to me. <laughs> okay, so uh, Indigood's a new process that... Um, Wrangler, so they're one of like the big kind of denim brands. They've been working on this technology, I think, for the past sort of like 10, 15 years, and it uses a special uh, foam dye technology um, that I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it works in some kind of like vacuum environment, so it reduces the amount of kind of impact that's required for dyeing. Um, so it's good that they're kind of developing these new technologies, um, and again, they're making it open source. G-Star's done the same as well with like their like most sustainable gene in the world, and again, that's open source things as well. So other brands can kind of look to that as kind of like a beacon of where they can kind of be heading. Um, I think that's really good. And then, yeah, things about like what Rosie was saying, recycled fibers is super important as well. Um, like lensing, they're doing things with sort of chemical recycling as well. So it's recycling like tent cell. Um, there's new ones called Renew Cell. Um, so that's actually breaking down cotton and sort of synthetic mixes as well, which is going to be another kind of important thing that will kind of change the industry and move it towards this more circular economy. And I think with what you mentioned before, with the redesign uh, project, the initiative, like as a designer, we can now, we now have a guideline, we have the guidelines, we can design this way and with this, just like every single guideline for durability, for the recycling, the, the material health, I think is the other one, uh, trying to avoid toxic chemicals, uh, using zippers, using all the pieces that are easy to remove, like knowing those things and applying it for young designers and also having the opportunity to, to use the like new technologies that is like available for everyone. I think that's an option that's gonna help in the future if for designers, at least me as an emerging designer, sometimes I'm not like able to buy these really cool fabrics, new, new materials because my production is not that high. So they don't wanna work with me if I'm not buying thousand yards of that material. Actually, at ISCO, we have actually no minimum order quantity on our existing wow. collection. So we support yes, young designers. Um, so come and see it, <laughs> select some fabrics. Yeah, that, that's what I need, like that's what we need because it's really hard how someone that wants to start their own brand is going to be able to start as a sustainable brand if they don't have the possibility to get these new materials and techniques. Yeah. 
I think that's really important as well. And the whole idea of collaboration as well. I've been seeing a lot of some of the smaller brands, especially from like London um, Fashion Week, um, who are actually sort of collaborating together and they have like these WhatsApp groups where people can go in and they can learn from all this sort of like information that's out there. So yeah, being able to sort of collaborate and bigger brands supporting the younger ones is really yeah, needed, I think. Super nice. Before we're gonna go over into the q and I'm gonna have a final question to all of you. Um, from sustainability perspective, is there really a need to continue con producing denim more since we have, I mean, trends are always repeating themselves. We're saying that we're wearing styles of like the 80s again and 70s, flat jeans whatsoever. Why do we continue producing denim then? And should we focus on being able to recycle it instead? I think, yeah, one of the big trends that's sort of happening in the fashion industry at the moment is the whole thing around upcycling. There's so many young brands and sort of I see on Instagram as well as the bigger ones at the moment who are taking existing textiles and then remaking them in a newer way and giving that product a new life as well as like elevating it beyond something else. Uh, really good examples, Zaina Schneider who works with Isco and she creates these amazing jackets where they sort of deconstruct the fabric and create like these denim fur jackets or it's like piecing it together to create these new ones. I think that's a really sort of like great way to go about it. I think there's also a quote that says that there's enough Levi's jeans in the world that Levi's never have to produce again. Um, and one of the ways that they're sort of tackling that, I guess, and jumping on board with the whole resale culture is that they're starting to resell their old jeans again. So people who want to get that kind of vintage looking jean can go into their stores now and buy them again. Or you can just go and find them yourself as well, because I know they are sort of a higher price point. But Digging for the um, blue gold, you said? No. Digging what? for blue gold, yeah. Yeah, digging so for blue gold. Go out there and find some yourself. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things that ISCO does is, is really focus on the durability of the fabric. What we produce is quality. Uh, it should never, ever have to go into landfill. It should get better over time. It really should. And I mean, like those products that I've had from, from ISCO that I've been wearing for like over uh, 15 to 20 years, and they're still looking absolutely great today. The technology and innovation within them prevent the things that, that make you throw your denim away, like the whole kind of baggy jean. We've all bought that cheap pair of jeans that grows bigger and bigger every day. And so you're like, you have to wash it to get back to uh, normal size or whatever. And you're like, oh God, I just don't want this anymore. Uh, you know, there should be no reason uh, for ever an ISCO denim to ever end up in landfill, um, it should be able to have a new life uh, and go on and on uh, forever. There was indeed a trend, I'm happy, or I'm hoping it's not gonna come back, it's the Jeggins. Can you guys remember that? Like late, late 90s, early 2000s, the Jeggins? Like the leggings and jeggings? Hope it's not gonna come back. I hope you're not gonna trend research that to be like 2021 20, trend. You never know. Yeah. Back around again. Yeah. Amazing. I would love to open the opportunity to ask questions. We've been, at least I've learned a lot now, but also we tackled a lot of different topics. So um, the stage is yours now, guys. Can I ask a question then to you guys? <laughs> What's one of your challenges, I guess, for the next sort of like two to three years on building your brand around sustainability? Well, of course, like, like um, I started not long ago. So it will be, for me, it's always like breaking the stereotype of sustainable fashion. So that's why I like exploring new textiles and exploring these like new styles uh, or um, just giving them like a new 
I don't know, like this, this new idea, uh, that's what I mentioned before, like designing a gown with upcycled denim and just using more upcycling. We have enough fabric already in the world. I can use it for, to make a, like a, many collections. Uh, me, like working with this nonprofit in New York that collects fabric, I can tell you that just in New York, the amount of unused fabric is insane. So I, I imagine like around the world, it will be, like it's possible, I believe it's possible to create clothing from what we already have. So for my brand will be to grow it and to break those stereotypes, show that sustainable clothing can be mainstream for everyone and for everywhere too. And it can look good. So it will be that. And last year I started menswear too. So I want menswear and womenswear. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very happy to see your journey and how it all continues. Thank you so much. And I would like to close our panel on reinventing denim now with a round of applause. Thank you for coming. Mm -hmm.